This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here. Preparation is a key foundation to almost everything I can think of. I had an experience this week which reminded me of its value and got me thinking of how, as alpaca owners, we can help ourselves save time, money, effort, and maybe even our alpacas. Expect the unexpected. You never know what you're going to find when you walk into the field and check over the herd. From slow and steady and under control, you can quickly be launched into a flurry of activity where time is of the essence. This week, I was showing some visitors to the farm, the group of older males. There was one who'd been involved in a fight and had superficial lacerations to one of his ears, which I wanted to check out. So I closed a group of them into the field shelter to examine him, to be met by the unmistakable smell associated with dead tissue and fly strike. Just before shearing, when alpacas are in full fleece, is a prime time for something to be going on underneath the mound of lovely fluff. I narrowed down the source of it, and it was nothing to do with Joseph and his recently bleeding ear, which was healing up nicely. Another animal, Aidan, had nothing obvious to explain the smell, but there were a few green bottles around on his back. I checked the usual suspect areas, but nothing obvious. So under the tail at the top of the tail, at the bottom of the neck. This is where we've noticed problems before. They don't get affected with fly strike as much as sheep, but it can be, on occasions, quite a problem. I then checked all the others, to be sure my nose was zeroing in on the right animal. It doesn't half make the alpacas nervous when you walk among them, sniffing loudly. Back to the same one. He was definitely Aiden. After an even more thorough examination... I suddenly noticed a slight dark line at the point where his back leg joins the belly area. Opening the fleece here at this point revealed everything. The colour of the tissue, greasy, sticky exudate, and that smell. Once experienced, never forgotten. There also seemed to be some signs of small maggots. Clearly the field shelter was not quite the place to do this and sort it out, but even more so with my guests there. So I called the vet and began planning how to get him to the more accessible stable. This was a Saturday afternoon. Do you know the out-of-hours number for your vets? Have they changed their call-out procedure? In the middle of an urgent situation is not the time to be discovering you can't get hold of your vet. Make a note to self. At least once a year, contact the vet and check you have the right number in your mobile phone for out of hours. In an emergency situation, have you somewhere it's easy for the vet to examine your animals with enough light and clean water supply? Have a think about how you would do it. Our stable is the ideal place, but it's normally where the females and career reside. Now it has to become a hospital wing where Aiden can be kept in clean and dry and manageable for the course of antibiotic injections. Which reminds me, syringes and needles. Do you have a supply and know how to use them and dispose of them? How would you clean a wound if you had to? 
Hibis scrub can be a useful multi-purpose antiseptic wash. It's worth having some in hand. Clean cotton wool in small enough quantities so you don't have to use it all once it's open. Disposable gloves to cope with the pretty gross stuff you have to handle sometimes without putting yourself at risk. I use thicker gloves with long cuffs, large enough to pull on easily, but close enough fitting to give sensitivity of touch. Over time, they can perish and become fragile so that each pair you pull on shreds into pieces and does not afford you any protection. You need to store them in suitable conditions. I think I mentioned before I carry a stock of these kind of things in a quick grab bag. In my case, it's a small rucksack, which keeps the inevitable dust and spider's webs at bay when things are stored in the stable tack room. Because drugs have a shelf life and you're not a veterinary pharmacy, there's not much to be gained from having lots of things in stock just in case. You might think you have some of whatever until you go to use it and discover it's two years past its expiry date. Not helpful. Check your supplies regularly and dispose of redundant materials. Amazon can be a great quick source if you can wait until tomorrow and if you can find what you need. Check it out now and add the items to a wish list for easy access. A head torch. Oh, this is so useful. This keeps your hands free and allows you to get enough bright light into the right place. Essential for those dusk discoveries out in the field. But remember not to shine it in the vet's eyes when you turn around to talk to them. Have you got the ability to set up a catch pen to control or restrain your animal for examination or treatment? Back to my favourite piece of kit. Hurdles. Small grip seal bags for collecting samples can be really useful. Practice how to describe a sequence of key facts and events so you can communicate a case history quickly and efficiently. I've also learned to keep the full details for the vet and not the receptionist or the out-of-hours veterinary nurse. They just need to know enough to pass you on to the vet. Your mobile phone can be a really useful tool, for example, capturing photos or sound, video, all helpful. Think about using audio notes. They're sometimes easier than written when you have wet and mucky fingers. Use one of your note-taking apps to record dates and times and key points. Don't rely on your memory. Well, perhaps that's just me. What about an unexpected career delivery? I remember the day I came down to quickly feed the girls because I was taking off some of the boys for stud services somewhere and suddenly discovered there was uh, one of the young females in the process of delivering a career. So the legs were protruding nicely and I was a little bit surprised because I didn't think she was actually pregnant. But there we go. Uh, field mating does work. And I only turned my back for a short time and she was showing no interest at all. But obviously, while I was away, there was enough connection with the male to end up pregnant. So unexpected career deliveries can sometimes come along. Are you prepared? The other thought was about heat waves when they're in full fleece. How would you cope? Do you know what to do? Injuries? Animals that are limping? having to examine them to check out whether it's a, an injury that's just a knock that will recover over a few days, or whether it's a cut or an abscess or a, some other reason that they're actually limping. Bramble tangles can also be a problem where you need to be able to unwrap some of the brambles that get tangled around, the, particularly the younger ones. I have two farm rules. One, always carry a pair of gloves. Two, always carry a camera. What about uh, disinfectant? 
I use FAM30, but others will have their own favourites. Do you know it's contact time to achieve disinfection? Do you put it on, leave it for X number of minutes, and then wash it off, or not? Or do you just leave it on to dry? But how long does it take to achieve disinfection? Read the instructions, take advice, ask in advance, know how to use it. Buckets and water containers, always handy to have and being able to move water to where it's needed. Syringes, I think it's great having a whole variety of sizes. They can be used for all kinds of things, for irrigation of wounds, for and being able to drench animals with wormer, for example. Think about a, a Korea birthing kit. Set it up before you need it. Make sure it's all there. I use a toolbox which is strong, waterproof and easy to carry. Bottles for supplementary feeding. Have them in advance and make sure you have replacement teats. I use SCA Multimilk, which is actually powdered goat milk, which is accessible and easy to digest to most species. You need some iodine for the umbilical cord. Gloves. Did I mention gloves with long cuffs? Strong ones? The link's in the show notes there. If you're going to take notes, which would be great to do, it'd be good to include things like delivery time, when they stand up, when they start feeding, and the weight. To take the weight, you're going to have to use a spring balance, so have to one of those around as well. As well as the spring balance, I use a small harness, which just holds them and allows me to take the weight. Another thing which is really helpful to have is lots of disposable blue paper towel. You just don't know when you're going to need a piece, and you're guaranteed that you will. A key skill with birthing is to know when you're out of your depth and call the vet early. For the youngsters as they're starting to grow, then do you know how to stop diarrhoea? What about dealing with constipation? What about disposal of the afterbirth? Have you thought about how you're going to do that? There are so many things that you can suddenly find yourself dealing with, and I obviously can't cover everything, but hopefully some of the areas I've covered will give you food for thought, and maybe you can check out those phone numbers and your supplies to make sure that you've got something that will allow you to cope with most eventualities. So, let's go back to Aiden. The vet arrived, we were able to clean off the, the fleece, in fact I took the opportunity while he was secured to give him a quick shear. It was quick and dirty, <laughs> not one of my best jobs, but it was necessary, and he then was accessible to the vet to be able to see what we were dealing with. It was quite a, a difficult wound, um, not very deep, but, but quite well spread, and obviously been hidden by the fleece and developing for a little while. He's now on a regular course of antibiotics and that seems to be helping and he's also had some pain relief using Metacam. It's um, difficult keeping him in. He's a bit frustrated with that but does have a friend with him. So we got Joseph actually brought him down, the one with the, the torn ear. Uh, and these two guys get on, on well together so there's, there's not a problem. They're not fighting or making life difficult for each other as they're recovering. So that's meaning that the girls have to be out but the weather's not too bad for that, so we will cope while we have to, and there's nothing else you can do. He's very bright in himself and is doing well. The recovery seems to be progressing nicely, but it's just a question of keeping the, the wound as clean as possible and not letting him roll too much or get it infected. One of the difficulties with a course of antibiotics is that the first one or even two you might get away with, 
because they don't know what's coming. But come the third, fourth, and fifth, they are very clear what it is that you're trying to do when you get them into the stable. And their cooperation is not at its best. And therefore, it takes a little bit of managing them. And you just got to take your time. Another classic situation was one dark and very cold night with the career a little bit exposed, I thought it was best to bring them all in to the stable. So I put the lights on, put the food out and brought them all down, only to discover one of the females had a prolapse and we needed to call the vet out. She'd had one before and I knew what the situation was, tried briefly myself, but wasn't able to manage it. So I called the vet out and they brought the BBC film crew with them. So we had <laughs> an interesting evening with uh, trying to sort this poor old alpaca out which we managed to do at the end, but it took a while, while the film crew were capturing all the events. It was edited into quite a, an interesting little piece. And uh, there we go, BBC. Thank you. I didn't look at my best. I wasn't sounding my best. but trying to sound erudite at 12 o'clock at night with a bright light shining in your eyes is a challenge for anybody, I think. She's recovered well. We just have to take her out of the, the breeding programme. But that's one of those things where it was fortunate that I'd decided to bring them in. If I hadn't, then probably, if I hadn't found it, then probably would have lost her. So that's another example of the unexpected. So always expect the unexpected. Things will happen. You can be prepared for them in advance. And it's worth making sure that you've got the appropriate bits and pieces, which will give you a fighting chance to cope with the situation, whatever it is. So I hope this information might prove useful to you. But then again, I hope you never have to use it. May you never have anything unexpected happen. However, we all know that there can be something just around the corner. Really great to have you here with us on the Alpaca Journey. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you again soon. And don't forget that you can listen or subscribe to the Alpaca Tribe podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.